Hey everybody, it's me, Tommy Link. Did you know that you can update and improve your TrashCast listening experience by subscribing to my Patreon over at, at Tommy Link on Patreon? You can get ad-free early access to episodes plus bonus audio and video content. Mmm, delicious. So go over there to my Patreon and check me out. You can also go to thetrashcast.com for more info. Hit that theme song! All around us, trash or treasure, make your mind up, what's your pleasure? Hey, I think we should talk some trash! Ah, it's the trash cast! Yeah, yeah! Well, I'm in trash. I collect it, I sort it, and I throw it in my trash can. My trash can. And now, today's episode, I'm doing a little update uh, right before I post because we're all in um, seclusion. Later on, you'll try to hear me make a word out of sequestered. That means like sequestered, whatever. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. But my guest today is my friend Byron Lane. He has a book that's coming out. But when, when we recorded this episode, it's actually one of the first ones I recorded um, last year. Uh, he couldn't talk about it because it wasn't official, but now it's official, but you'll have to wait till the end of the episode to hear, um, what it's about. I'll, I'll tell you the title. The title of his book is called A Star is Bored, and, um, you'll see how that's relevant when you hear who the book is inspired by. It's really cool. Um, it's, it's about his time with one of my life heroes, so I can't wait for you to hear that. That's towards the end of the episode. Um, but we just recorded that today while we're all going through this COVID-19 self-isolation. So I hope you are following following the rules like I am and staying inside and taking your gentle walks when you're allowed to and having your six-foot distance. And if you're listening to this on the other side of the COVID-19 crisis, then I hope everything's back to normal. Um, so enjoy this episode because you know what you need, you need to keep your brain busy during this time. So what better way than to listen to a podcast and hear some good old fashioned storytelling. So please enjoy this episode with my pal. He's a writer, actor, Byron Lane. I wanted to bring in a friend of mine. Thank he's you. very popular here in Los Angeles. Thank you for believing in me. Um, he's my friend. He is a writer, an actor, um, and sometimes I think he is a, a sage, um, spiritual guide, guide type of person. Just sort of like an unofficial label that I've given you. Thank you. Anyway, my friend, Byron Lane, welcome. Tom reached out to me and was like, I have this famous friend and... She hasn't emailed me back. Will you come do this podcast? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding? Yes. Microphones? Yes. It's very on brand. I've literally treated you as trash. I appreciate it. It's, it's yes, it's your brand, and uh, I want to be part of it. Okay, well, yeah. thank you. Um, have you, I'm, okay, so Byron, two, a few years ago, asked me if I would read this script that he'd written and of course he emailed it to me and i sat on it for about four four weeks maybe felt like years um because i'm a monster and then i finally got around because when somebody sends you a script right you're like oh god Mm -hmm. don't make me do this i have to read this whole thing yeah and it wasn't like a comedy pilot that's like 30 pages so it was like a legit hundred and something yeah play which is worse and then you have to like Tell tell you what you feel about how what do I think about it? I have to give opinions and and come up with you know focus on the things I liked and not how terrible it is. Were you also like, oh, gotta play? Oh yeah, yeah. Because when somebody sends me something, I'm like, pay me. Where's the money? <laughs> right. And of course, there's no money no in money. doing a play. Anyway, so he sends me this script, and um, I finally get around to opening the file, and the title is Tilda Swinton answers an ad on Craigslist. And uh, immediately my interest was piqued, and I was a little mad at myself for having sat on it for so long. I got three pages in, and then I sent you an email, and I said, yes, I'm in. Let's do this. Yeah. 
Um, and then I think I finished reading it when we read it there at the table read. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. I think I skimmed through the rest of it, but then like for real, just read it as we were going along. Anyway, it's we've been so now cut to years later. We've now been doing this play around the country, around the world, in various places, sort of like just like our own independent. I don't know what what would you call this that we're doing. Like it's not the way you're supposed to do a play. No, it's all weird. I mean, uh, we split everything evenly. There are five of us. You play Tilda Swinton, who's like a modern day Mary Poppins who pops into this guy's life to fix him up. And uh, you're brilliant. God oh, I hate you. you. It's stop, so stop, stop. No, don't focus on what's great about me. What is the most obnoxious part of having, because by the way, we now like, we'll have just been, you know, in Scotland doing the Fringe Festival. Ugh backing that up French festival for a month and we've been basically living in air and B. Oh my God. I can't talk. Can we cut this part? Let's cut that part. Keep I'm it. Gonna... Keep this is real. No, this is the real you. Oh God, I'm a professional. I no, swear. You're wonder- but let me tell you the thing I love most about working with you and doing the play with you is that every night it's obviously live. And so you never know what you're going to be doing. <laughs> and that's the best part. And so we've had the best experiences where like one night you forgot your pants Tilda's pants and you're like what are we what are we doing what do we have what do we and you know you make stuff out of gar- can we curse yeah uh, yeah we'll you make bleep, shit we'll bleep the f word okay you make shit out of garbage and so you're like what what do we and so you this one night that you forgot the pants you took a sweater and if i remember correctly you stepped into the head hole yeah and you put your legs through the arms <laughs> you shimmied that thing up to your waist and it looked so good out I of, mean, out of desperation comes, yeah, true art, true art. And then other times, like the sad thing is, since we're all doing it ourselves, we all have our own. We're our own prop masters, and none oh. of us really have props except for you, who have a thousand props. I have a thousand props, and of all the people who should be in charge of like several, like a hundred no. tiny little items, no. like very detailed oriented, <laughs> it should not be you. Pass, so- pass. I would like to pass on this job, <laughs> right? But I get stuck with the job yeah. because like who I can. Yes, I can make a bag. Every night when you walk out with that fucking purse filled with things, I wonder what's not in there tonight. <laughs> and so, like, there are coffee pods, and then, like, sometimes there's no water, and then sometimes the coffee machine is full. And one night in, in was it London or San oh, Francisco? Well, sorry, back up. So, so I'm playing, like, Tilda Swinton as this sort of Mary Poppins-type character. So, she, of course, she has to have a giant bag that she pulls stuff out of. And one day, I'm like, I come to rehearsal, and I said, I, I want to have a coffee maker in my bag because I was making an espresso that morning and it just hit me. <gasps> I can put this in the bag yes. and then plug it in because who has seen... I've never seen a thing where somebody actually makes a coffee on stage and you can you can smell it in the audience. You can smell the espresso. Genius. It's so stupid. It's so fun. But it's also a pain in the ass. And so one night... So, you know, I plug it in on stage and then... Listen, the coffee maker has turned out to be a huge hit. But every night it's complicated. So, like, one night the machine was full of pods, and so you literally, in front of all these people, just emptied it on the floor. <laughs> Other nights you've tripped over the cables, and the whole thing came crashing down in front of people. The water oh. poured out all over the stage, and in character I just sort of grabbed one of your T-shirts that was lying on stage and mopped up the water. And the audience is looking, and you know, you see their faces, and they're like, wait, how much of this is planned? <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's lovely and it's magical, and that's my favorite part. Well, the, the interesting thing to me is that in the same way that I started, you know, the Instagram thing and, and the making the outfits, a, a big part of the thing I wanted to put out was in being creative. This, let's take the pressure away from being perfect all the time, especially on Instagram where everything's perfect lighting and, you know, oh, every every picture I post is through a teal or, or mauve filter. That guy. I, I love, love him. him. I love him. <laughs> I love him too. I won't say who it is. Oh, so attracted to him. So cute. <sighs> I know. Je- but I'm just I'm Did just you buy jealous. the filter? No! I'm not spending $12 okay. on a special filter so I can make everything well, listen, the same color. I started to explore that filter, but I, like, you had to go through too many steps to get it. And then I'm like, how do you get it on your phone? Uh, yeah, it was too it was, much trouble. Yeah, it too much trouble. But he looks great. How much effort he's putting into each one of those posts. I'm doing the opposite. I'm just throwing it up there and I'm saying, hey, like, let's not be perfect and let's sort of celebrate that. Anyway. And that is perfect in its own way. 
And this is why I think you're a spiritual guru. I am, yeah. Uh, but no, I th- I feel like the fun part about doing this show, to me, this is a totally different type of theater that um, would you know not fly in New York because we do have these little elements that change every night. And you're at least you seem like you're comfortable um, each night when we sort of stumble upon these areas. And you we... mean when I'm staring at you with wide eyes and my eyebrows up and like, what the is like, happening what is he going to say or what is he going to do but also like I'm, I want to honor you as the writer because the jokes you've written are so funny but also there's just there's such a fun thing about I don't know you know getting to like discovering a new moment a year into this run of doing this play and, and we're still like oh my god I had a magic moment where right. it was just totally new and- yep uh, it's a great collaboration and I also I love that sometimes these accidents we keep also asterisk for the New York situation, um, it would do great in New York. It would do it great. It would do great. So just I, to say, if someone's listening. Yeah, if someone is listening, you know, we definitely want to take it to the next level off Broadway. Broadway. But that would really scare a lot of New yeah. York actors because they think, no, no, I need – because I've, I've witnessed this, like, where if somebody does something differently, the, the, the actors will say, like, well, he, they're, they're affecting my show. They're affecting my show. And it's like, well, it's our show. It's not just yours. Right. And, like, maybe be present and react and don't be afraid to have a moment that's slightly different than – that's the thing that makes me crazy. It's like it doesn't have to be the same every night. No. And people appreciate those little variations, you know? I don't know. It feels real and it feels alive and um, I love what you do every night. It's so, so fun. Is, it, is this me just jerking ourselves off under the table just creatively like, oh, we're the greatest. Oh, our play is amazing. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm who, sorry. Who doesn't what... love that? Who doesn't want that? Huh. Well, I love. We are sexually awakened people, right? I mean, who cares? Um, what? Tell me about. Okay, so I know about your past, which is, um, which fascinates me. Uh, you spent some time after college being a newscaster. Yes, I worked in Las Vegas, and I would get up at midnight and go to the CBS affiliate. And get in a live truck with a photographer, and we would turn on the police scanner, and we would drive around all night in Las Vegas from crime scene to crime scene, car accident to house fire. And then whatever was the worst, bloodiest, most depressing thing, we would do a live shot. So it was like me standing in front of a motorcycle where a guy lost his balance and skid off and went 100 feet in the air and, you know, all that stuff. Okay, so so you're there in the middle of the night, and is that the news that – you're filming a thing for, like, what gets played in the for morning? The, for the morning show. Oh, okay, yeah, so it's it. like, good morning, Las Vegas. It's Here's a beautiful day. Here's a list of dead people. Yes. <laughs> and then there were also weird things like autopeds were huge, which is an automobile-pedestrian collision, which is really – someone just got hit by a car. And <laughs> but you call it the professional term in the news industry autoped. is autoped. There's an autoped at, you know, Tropicana and whatever. And uh, whenever this would happen, the cool part about it – I mean, almost everyone died. But the cool part about it was that the person who was hit came out of their shoes. So oh. you'd show up at the scene because the impact is so strong, you know. So they'd fly out of their shoes and then the police would sort of uh, use spray paint to circle the shoes and then put dashes where the body skid and all this stuff. So you could show up and it was like Egyptian hieroglyphics and you could be like, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So the car stopped here and they hit them there. And wow, they flew a long way. One time a guy came out of his pants. It, the, the impact was so so strong. Is this dark? This is no, <laughs> of course I love this. So it's that was dark. it. Wait, so so there's essentially sort of like you can replay the accident in your head once mm-hmm. you get to learn what the signals are. That yep. they all the dashes. And to this day, whenever I see like a shoe or a high heel on a street, <laughs> I'm like, oof, brutal. <laughs> but I was I don't know. My, the the hardest part about it was the hours were a nightmare. Um, it was very depressing, but I did get the chance to kind of flex my curiosity muscles. And sometimes the police gave me a really hard time about it. So, like one time, a, a police dog chased a suspect and bit the guy, and uh, and then I had questions like, okay, well now what's next for the dog? Because in news, you always want to be like, what's next? What's next? What's next for the dog? Yeah. So at seven a.m., I wanted to be like, well, this morning a police dog is getting checked for diseases, and I'm like, can the dog get you know HIV? Like, what are the rules if it bit the guy? And the police are like, what? No, they don't, they don't care. They don't know. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or one time there was a there was a stabbing at a bar, and it was like, yeah, they got in a fight over the bar tab. And I was like, ooh, how much was the tab? And the cops are these grizzled <laughs> Vegas cops are like, what? I don't, I don't know. Who are you? Why do you care? Why do you care? But I'm like, this is interesting to me. Surely someone wants to know. I don't know. Well, one might say uh, that you were finding treasure in other people's trash. Oh, thank you. I love thank that. You. And um, there were some. 
times that I was morally compromised. Like one night there was a plane crash uh-huh. and uh, it was somewhere else like in Oregon. But one of the victims, the AP said, uh, is from, was from Vegas. So I looked up her mom in the middle of the night, found her mom, called her mom. Her mom was awake, uh, obviously uh, very upset. But, but, you know, the pitch is, hey, can I, can I come by and, and talk to you about your daughter and say some nice things? We'll do a little tribute, you know. That's, that's the framework. Oh, God! No! Yeah. So we show up at this lady's house. And by the way, these are always tense because at any moment they could change their mind. And da, da, da. So she opens the door and this older lady and she's got like face cream on. Like, uh, a, like a shimmery kind of oil of Olay situation. Like, like, mm-hmm. like she's doing a face mask? It's or not a mask. Like, it's like a cream. Like, she's just Like been... waves of white cream. Oh, oh, like oldie timey. Mm-hmm. I put my cold cream on. Yes. And so I'm thinking to myself, here's my moral dilemma. Do I tell her? And then does she go look in the mirror and then say she doesn't want to do it? Or do I record it, make sure we got it, get on with our lives? And I'm a oh. terrible person. I've grown a lot since then. <laughs> I want you to know. But, you filmed her But we filmed cream. this woman with cold cream on her face and we put it on the news. And then I heard from her and she sent me a thank you note. That was a sunflower on the front and inside it said, I see the goodness in you. And it changed me. And I was like, you didn't see the goodness. I'm a monster. But but anyway. Oh my oh my Isn't god. I still have it. it oh was my very god. Touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very touching. Okay, is this the, is this the moment that like made you into a spiritual guru? No. I say this because he's constantly quoting that uh, well your name is Byron, but you're always quoting this lady named Byron. Yeah, Byron Katie. I love her. I love her. Yeah. We'll, maybe we'll get more into her in a minute, but wait. So, also, wait. The, the, her daughter had died. Is that dead? Right? And she, cold cream, cold cream on her face in a Thank nightgown. Thank you, note. Thank you, note. To That's me. a lot for it's me. Very sweet. Yeah. To unpack. I know. Um, you're a monster. A little bit, yeah. Um, well, I was, but listen, the news business is awful. Yeah. So, did you get uh, treated like garbage being the like new kid on the block? Uh, what's it, like the shadiest? Do you have any like trashy news stories of like? I don't know, like... Um... Let me tell you something. It's all garbage. So the next time you're watching the news, I want you to think that the people you're watching in the field... Have no pants on? They have just peed in water bottles in the truck. Like what? That's, no one can go to the bathroom. There's nowhere to pee. Uh, it, you go to 7-Eleven in the middle of the night, and you're like, can I please use the bathroom? They're like, no. So you go pee by their dumpster. I mean, it's terrible. So that kind of thing. So those people that are... Not glamorous. They're so they're, tired. they're putting on their own makeup. They're putting on their makeup, and they're, they have pee stains in their pants. Yes, and it's a shirt that they've worn ten times. And they mm-hmm. keep in the, in the van. Mm-hmm. Um, are they hooking up with like the guy the guy in the van sometimes? Oh, I wish, but I worked with a couple of straight photographers, so it never happened. Okay, but they're lovely, and I love them. But um, but you. You you don't want to go back to the news world? Oh, gosh. You know, it's hard. It's brutal. Well, first of all, I also – I mean, I'm going to be 41 in July, but I still look kind of young. And so it was really hard to be a young-looking news reporter. So, like, I'd interview the governor, and he would literally, like, pinch my cheek like I'm his grandson. Like, oh, you're cute. I'm like, no, what about taxes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they didn't want to take me seriously. It was really hard. And So, uh, the, so be, being youthful worked against you and trying to get to the core issues. Yes. Yeah. Well, now, do you think – was there any, like – I don't know. We don't hear a lot about uh, LGBT people in the news pl- workroom. Was it weird? Were you being um, the only discriminated time, against? I don't think anything? so. No, no. I think that uh, – Comedy podcast! Woo-hoo! I think that um, the only time the gay thing ever came up was I had to do um, a story on some propositions that were going to be on the ballot. And I went – and one of the propositions was had something to do with gay people. I don't even remember what. And I went to my boss and was like, uh, hey, just so you know, I'm gay. Is it weird if I do this story? And he was – he thought for a second. He was, no. And I'm like, oh, OK. And that oh. was it. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I was so nervous about it. I mean this was a long time. This was 2004-ish. So um, times were well, very so different. Well, that was a time – I talk about this a lot where <laughs> at my first jobs in Hollywood, it, sort of every day you had to come out. You had to decide if you're coming out mm-hmm. t- to this person or not. And, you know, people sort of tiptoeing and were like, oh, so what's your type or who are you dating right now? And they don't really want to ask. And sometimes I wish they would just be like, hey, you gay? Right. What's up? Same. Uh, just you do it. I don't want to do the like – I don't want to relive that moment from my past of having to like – you know, no. it just takes me back to that place. No. Instead, what I did was I wore this thick fossil watch that to me was kind of like a – 
dirty kind of cup. You know what I mean? Oh, wait. Was and it I was a, like, was yes. It like a black cup? Yes. I had that yes. same fossil watch. Yes, that fossil watch. <laughs> and I was like, gay people see me. That's how I, that was, that's the best Because you're like, oh, I'm in a, like a conservative yes. work environment. Yeah. But look at this sort of edgy, like yeah. leather daddy yeah. motif And then I when I had to wrist. point to bullet holes and stuff, I always use that hand. Oh! Yeah, yeah. So just, like on camera, so oh, yeah. people would know. Like, oh, I oh, wanted them to know. There's that cute gay news reporter. There's that, that gay I news reporter date. who I could tie up. Yes. Did you ever date like a, a news reporter or someone? In, in, oh like... yeah, my uh, I lost my virginity to um, a weatherman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The silence is just me. Oh, I got nervous that maybe I'm drinking an iced coffee and I thought maybe you could hear the ice. Well, the... maybe, but I'm just like. Yeah, it was. Weather, I went weatherman. to like a fantasy land mm-hmm. of. Yeah, this weatherman. It was... Of like weatherman hair. Ugh. Of um... it was really hot. Do you know that when you um, if you want to have them like sprinkle in the little hair particles when you're filming, um, you you ask them for uh, you can ask for newscaster hair <gasps> or million dollar hair. Um, those are the code words to say like fill it in with the little sprinkles. They make these things called topics, and you go like Stop like out it. of a Bugs Bunny cartoon when they squeeze the perfume out like Stop. a. Stop. What are those called? Like not a humidifier. What's called? It's like a. Um, Mister? It has like the bulby thing. Uh, like, I know what you mean, yeah. Like a. Oh, I can't think of it. He's going to look it up for me and tell me. Uh, and and they put. It's like these little like particles that are sort of like stick on each other. Wow. And then they spray it into your little areas that you yeah, want to fill in. I mean, they sell that right for an aerosol version of that, right? What's it, Jeff? What, what, what is it? Atomizer. Atomizer. An oldie timey atomizer. Jeff. Um. The, yeah, they sprinkle the particles in your hair, um, and it fills it in. It makes you look and feel great. Wow. So now I know that um, – I want to know, though, when – like, if a gentleman shows up on set and he has, like, a toupee glued on, like, what do you say to the hair people to let them know, like, hey, this is a 401 J, J-Dog, yeah. or, like, this is a – this is a um, hey, we're working with a material girl just to let you know, or we're um, – I, I just cleaned my carpet. Like, I don't know what the, what the must be code something. word is. How did I get to that? I'm so sorry. Um, okay, Weatherman. Okay, Weatherman. Weatherman. Yeah. Man. yeah, Weatherman, yeah. And was he out? Did people know that he was? People in town definitely did. Uh, I don't remember if he talked about that openly. Is that weird? I don't remember that. No. Do you, do you have you, where, where is he now? Uh, I'm not sure. We're not. We're not in touch, really. Is but still, a was... news. I, now, this is where my mind goes. Yeah. I now want to know his name so I can Google him, find out what station he works for, watch all of his clips, and then like pretend uh, like I'm having my own personal weatherman experience. Yeah, we're not. Oh, we're God. not that much in touch. But our last inter- interaction, just to kind of catch up, it was really lovely. He's really lovely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm a monster, and you're not. Um, wait, I'm backing up. Uh, Tilda. Tilda. We're going back to Tilda because you have a dog named Tilda. I forgot to oh, tell people about she's that. She's literally in surgery right now. And that's what sort of – is she – was she your motivation for creating the play or what was Yeah, your... I did wonder. Um, so we had this dog named Tilda Swinton and my boyfriend uh, and I were trying to decide what to name her. And uh, he was reading an Entertainment Weekly or something and they had a picture of Tilda Swinton and her hair was crazy and she's beautiful blonde and this dog has crazy hair and beautiful blonde and – uh, he's like, what about Tilda Swinton? I'm like, perfect. And that was it. And so I thought to myself, I wonder if this was Tilda, what would that be like? And then that's where the idea came from. You mean if, if the spirit of Tilda was in this dog? No, like, what's this it was... like to live with Tilda Swinton? Oh, oh I see. I see. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, not if uh, she'd been like, um, reincarnated. Right. Okay, not, not that. And you know, a fun little twist about that is uh, not everyone thought it would be a play. Like some people gave me notes that were like, oh, this is just a sketch. Like, you know, like this is a waste of time and all that stuff. And What? Yeah, but I think that's kind of really common in um, Hollywood. In I hear that a lot. People. Like, oh, yeah, no, that sounds like a funny sketch, but that's not sustainable for a whole, mm-hmm. you know, hour or half hour project. Yep. You can't then, listen to all those people. But then you, wa- then you watch a, like a quote unquote live audience sitcom on one of the, you know, old, old-timey yeah. TV channels. And 
your or if you go to a sitcom tape, you guys, I'm just letting you know, don't ever don't, be tricked into going to a sitcom it's not fun. taping. It's a nightmare. They should be paying you. Yes, they're, and they're because spec- it is work. They put you to work. It's freezing. They it's, don't feed you. They don't feed you. You don't get a break. A man screams at you, and if you don't laugh at his jokes, he calls you out. It's terrible. And and they trick you into thinking you can't leave. Right. You're like, oh god, I can't leave there. Right. But like, they can't keep you there legally. You haven't signed anything. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Also, they do the same thing at the RuPaul Drag Race finale. I went this year, and they spent like two – not two hours, like an hour and a half of just audience reaction, filming filming Ru with the audience behind him, just us, just laughing. Oh, hey, watch these people that aren't what you're going to be watching during the show. Pretend like they just won. And – People pay. I didn't pay money, but people paid money. They paid sixty dollars to go to the Drag Race finale to watch a quote unquote show, and I just wanted to scream at them: get two more cameras and point them at the audience while you're filming the stupid show. Let me ask you something: okay, are sorry, we angry and bitter because we have aspirations to write and perform, and sitting back there is just hard to watch? Uh, no, I think it's because I think I know how to fix everything. I know how to like. I've got notes. I mean, I got do it. this. I do this. You hate when I do this. Like after the fact, after you've already spent the money on like printing something. Like I've got notes. I can fix this. Like that's all wrong. I think I know. Listen, a lot. I figured you out I, now. I sent it early. Yeah, send it early so that I can trash it. You can break my heart, and break I have time heart. to fix it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think it's because I know I'm not great at. Hey, let me sit down and create this thing from scratch. But I am. Pretty good at being Editing. like, here's the edit. Yep. Um, but also, yeah, I, like the sitting in a sitcom. Well, you recently went, I um, put you in touch with a friend of mine uh, oh, to, yeah. to go. Uh, my friend Darlene Hunt was doing a comedy pilot. And what was that experience of like, of, oh, like going heaven. in and having to pitch jokes? So to me, the experience, so on, on a sitcom, when they go to film the thing, they, like all the writers stand around and they fake laugh at all the jokes that they wrote specifically, and then they like have a each have a red pen, and they go check, check, and I'm like, why are you putting a check next to all those? Jokes? Like, they're none of them are funny. It's this like weird. They all act like this. I don't know what it is. It's this. It's this very strange thing that pe- they self congratulate themselves in order to feel better about the fact that it's not funny. I don't know. What, what, what was that like? It was wonderful. Well, Darlene is a genius, and so she already had an amazing script, and then she just basically uh, had writers come in and pitch like new jokes or new takes on jokes. And what I loved about her is that she was so honest and in the moment, and we all knew the score, so she would say like, oh yeah, that's great, and then keep it, and then, or she'd say, uh, ah, that doesn't work for me. Or, and then we just kept moving on. It was just, it was just a lovely, great experience. I was very nervous. But it was great. And then when they actually taped it, it was the reverse that we're talking about. So, like, they had an audience up there, but I was on the floor. And so I felt cool. And I was like, I belong here. Ultimately, I didn't. I've never heard back from any of them. But uh, but what a great experience. It didn't get picked up. Oh, God. Life is hard. I know. It's hard. But the thing that I love about Darlene Hunt, Darlene Hunt created uh, the Big C. She ran uh, Good Girls on – what's the Amazon show where it was – the girls in the 60s working for uh, the newspaper and all that stuff. Anyway, she did that show. It was a big thing, and it got canceled, and people were really mad. Um, and she has no attachment to, like, once something gets canceled, she moves on, and she is on to the next project. Oh, and great. you're the same, and it's very rare to find in it with, with writers that, you have no emotional attachment to any. You just like, yeah, kill that joke, Meh, whatever. I want, I want the funniest thing. Not everyone's like that, so mm. I applaud you. Great for that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all about keeping it going, make it the best it can be and uh collaborating. Well, I support oh. you in your collaboration. Thank we're going to take a little break oh. and we'll be back with some more drama. And we're back, people. We're back. That's what a stage manager used to say to me. We're back. Um we are. And so since we have We've had so much fun with all of our Tilda Swinton things over the years together, you know what I mean? I thought we'd go down the, uh, a list of some of her films. You can tell me if you think it's trash or class, okay? Oh, no. Okay. Okay, ready. Here we go. Um, first one up. Suspiria. I haven't seen it. 
Oh my god, I'm so Don't be mad. I'm so mad at you. Don't be mad. It was on it was on I could see that it's on a pay-per-view thing and I was like uh but it felt like homework. I haven't seen it either. And I know we have a joke about it in the show and I like just pretend. I honestly I'm such a lazy person. I just watch mostly clips of her online instead of watching all of her movies. I know. Mm. Don't be mad. Uh Isle of Dogs. God. I feel terrible saying things about it because I love Wes Anderson and I love her. I'll say it. Uh, like I watched it on a plane, and I'm like, "What is this movie? Where is it going? Right. It's very adorable, but what? I know, you know. I and just she only had four lines. I just for for he is such a genius. I'm like, why are we not just seeing real people? I yeah. mean, obviously you can't throw people in garbage dumps, and it's more complicated. <laughs> or can you? You know, what I, mean? I don't know the rules. Uh, Okja, did you see Okja? Yes, it was great. Classic or classic? Trashic? Classic. Really? Well, okay. Here's the, the problem. The no, yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Here's the problem. I haven't seen it yet. The problem with your classic or trash stick is that those are really far. Like, what? What's the middle one? Recycle, compost. <gasps> That's fun. Yeah. Stash it. Stash, Stash it! it. Yeah. See, I would keep that. That's I would why keep. He gets paid the big oh, money. Yeah. Oakja, I would keep in the universe. Like, it's it's interesting. Good message. Okay, so let's we're, we're we're renaming the game Trash It or Stash It. Oh, okay. Okay. Or, or should there be three options? Put it in the recycle bin or in that like small friendly little neighborhood library box where oh, you oh. genius. So sweet. I hate that. I will refuse cuz you know what? Those are just b- books full of bed bugs. Oh, in my honest opinion, okay? Do never take a book from one of those mini neighborhood libraries. I'm going to print you stickers that say that and you're going <laughs> to start putting them on them. Uh, train wreck. I don't think that's what it's called. Oh, yes. The movie. It is. <laughs> I was thinking of Snowpiercer. But Snowpiercer could also be called Trainwreck. Okay, well. Uh, but... uh, Trainwreck fun. Okay. Trash it or stash it. Oh, stash uh, it. Okay. Stash it. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking of like a big old mustache. Um, yeah, what Snowpiercer, what do you. Stash it. You like that but one? But that had a great, you know, that had um, I Chris that Evans movie. and uh, Octavia Spencer. I met her uh, before, and she's lovely. Did she do one of your projects? Yeah, she did one of my projects. Mm-hmm. I was so before lucky to get her. Before she was big oh, and famous. For sure. There's no way she would do it now. That project wasn't that good. <laughs> but she was like, I'll take some money. She's so wonderful. Uh, um, let me just see if there's a couple more. Uh, oh, I haven't seen this one. Michael Clayton. God damn it. Trash or stash. <sighs> I don't know if I've seen it. Okay, well. But she won an award for that, a BAFTA, I think. Maybe an Oscar. What did she win the Oscar for? I think that's what she won the Oscar for. Michael Clayton. George Clooney? We need to see that. Okay. Um, Well, I'm over Tilda. We've spent enough time with her. Let's meet her and be like, yeah, we we haven't seen a single one of your movies. Uh, Here's a whole play we've been doing about you for two years. uh, Okay, so now now I'm going to make you do the thing that we're really here for, which is... Pull out these... Garbage These, items. Yes. Trash or treasure moments. Uh, I'd like you to pull out your two items. I've asked Byron to uh, – voice change, sorry. Uh, I've asked Byron to bring me two items, one that uh, might be mistaken for trash but has some sentimental value and one that he's been trying to get rid of and throw in the trash from his house. And I am now <laughs> looking at these two items. How dare you laugh. Okay. In front of me, would you like to describe? So we have, have a here? candle here that uh, has Whitney Houston on it, like uh, it's young Whitney, and it's angelic, like a religious candle. It's like yeah, one of those ones you see at a Catholic church. And my friend Stacy sent this to me and, uh, for happy birthday, and it said, uh, "Happy birthday, love Whitney from heaven?" Question mark. And I was like, oh, uh, "Damn, I burn, I burn!" How dark that is. Okay, also don't tell me which one is which yet, because yeah. I'm gonna figure it out. Okay. And then this one is a, this is a monkey, like a plush toy, but if you squeeze it, listen. Yeah. And um, so it's a dog's toy, but my dog, Tilda, is very sophisticated and snobby. So she's like, I'm not. Does it have food in it? Then I don't want it. So uh, I have this special monkey that was a gift for me from my friend Cindy, who lives in San Diego. And we spent time together in Vegas working together. And um, okay, so now I I live with her and her dog, Macaroon, who's now in heaven. Oh, wow. Okay, there's a lot of darkness to both of these items. Welcome to my life. (laughs) Everything Um, is depressing. Okay, well, the little the monkey is about two two apples high, three apples high, like a Smurf. Remember that? They're like, how big is a Smurf? Three apples high. No, tall. Okay, I'm from I'm Louisiana. Sorry. My dad was like, learn your numbers, swack. <laughs> so, oh my god, are you counting all your fingers under the table? I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Full disclosure, 
when I do the subtraction, no, when I do addition and subtraction, I use my fingers. Good for you. Kids and I do, it under the, I do it under the table because I'm still embarrassed. I have deep shame about it. Wow. But like, why don't I know what nine plus five is? I don't know because there's fingers and I can just count it out. Also, we're tired. I mean, at, at a certain point, can't you just, can you just get a calculator? Like what, why, what are we doing? Well, that's, the, I watched this thing where the, the, um, this like world conference on education and the guy said, uh, the robots are going to take all the jobs. So we have to teach kids. Soft skills. I love that term. Uh, me too. Skills. I'm good at that. They used to call me that. Soft skills. Oh, no. No, what? no but they could. They're going to beep that out. I feel bad about it. It's like, yeah, you can, we can bleep it out. But you get one. it. Soft skills. Like, yeah. Like, I want to learn those. We, I totally got made fun of for being uh, sensitive A and soft. soft skillsman. Soft skills. <laughs> That's going in my bio. I am a soft skills man. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Uh, but he was saying that, you know, since we will, like, you'll have the computer for all those things. You won't need to know how to do that. So in order to have people have jobs in the future, we have to, he said, it will all be things around the arts and feelings and and knowing what's, what's good and bad. Um, so I know I just keep thinking about that billboard. That prudential billboard that says, um, "If you, what does it say? It says the robots can't take your job if you're already retired or something like that. Or, so offensive. And it, it so stresses offensive. me out because I drive by every week no. on the way to therapy. And so and multiple times I've had to talk about that stupid billboard in therapy. Like what's a 401k? Where do I get one? Yeah, I don't know. Nightmare. Is that the code for wearing a wig? I don't know. Thanks, Prudential. Okay, so sorry. Yeah. Back to the topic at hand. Can- candle and a monkey. Which one of these items is a treasured thing that you can't possibly part with, and which one is the trash? Who gave you the Whitney Houston? My friend Stacy. She and I were best friends, and then she moved to Chicago, and I was like, well, it's over. And and who gave you the, the monkey? My best friend Cindy, who lives in San Diego. And when she moved to San Diego, I said to her, well, okay, it's so over. Both, both are from friends who have, moved, who have away. moved away. Now, let me ask you. Yeah. Have either of these people departed the planet? Nope. Okay, so they're both alive. Mm-hmm. Um, good question. Good question. Because that would make me think if one of them had died, that you would save the item from the dead friend. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's dark this week. Wow. Um, I feel like this monkey doesn't have pupil. Like his eyeball is just a, it's just a, a round sort of dark orb. He doesn't have like a sparkle in his eye. So to me, I. I think the Whitney Houston candle is your treasure. Yes. Drum roll. Yay! Yes! Yay! So you, you definitely Did not... I answer too quick? No, no. It was perfect. Yeah, this is my treasure. This this monkey thing is great. It's just that Tilda doesn't want animals or toys. It even makes this sound. And she's like, I'm not... I don't care. Well, hey, we've got Lucy in the studio. Hey, Lucy. Lucy. Do, are you interested in this? Where are you? Where is she? Oh, she's over here. Hey, do you want this? What do you feel? What's your... Lucy, the dog, what's your feeling about this? Oh, she's turning... Oh, she's eating it! Oh, happiness! Oh, the little monkey found a home. Okay, well, that was going to be my question. Um, Can Lucy have it? Now's the moment. My my job here is to force you to make a decision if you really want to part with it. Or if, if, you know, now's the moment. You can take it home if you want. No, or... I don't. No, no. I've been trying to get rid of it for years. Okay, great. My whole life is editing. But anyway, Lucy's loving it. Great. Good girl. Good girl. It's a beautiful. It's a good girl. Well, um, thank you so much for the for the what? monkey. You're welcome. And you're going to take this candle. And why why does this candle, just because your so, friend moved away, do you, do you talk to this friend? Oh, still? yeah, yeah. She's a great confidant and, uh, and we're still in touch. But the special thing about this is that I uh, am obsessed with Whitney Houston. Well, I used to be. I mean, things have taken a turn. Life goes on and everything. But when I was a kid, the bodyguard came out, and I must have seen it in the theater a gazillion times. And I think it was just that thing about, like, gay men. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Lucy loves it! Gay men uh, looking for the strong, powerful woman. And so I basically wanted to be Whitney Houston my whole life. And, in fact, it was the first concert that my dad ever took me to, which is very sweet, at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette. And I got a poster. And then my dad had the poster framed. (gasps) And my dad is not exactly like a, you know, liberal, forward-thinking, you know, 
let his son paint his nails kind of guy. So for him to get it framed, everything was very special, and it's still hanging in my my bedroom back home in Louisiana. Oh, that's that so framed sweet. picture of Whitney. Yeah, uh, I had no idea that the bodyguard was oh, the bodyguard. So yeah. deeply meaningful. To oh my god! Can you believe I didn't see it till about last year? What? Yeah, I know. I'm shocked. It, when it came, what do you think? Did you cry? No, I could not. I was just like, what's going? What is happening? Why is this house? Stop. Stop. When she is on that stage and she takes that thing off, I'm up there with her. And I've watched that scene a gazillion times to the point where you can see a stagehand grab her waist when she falls so she doesn't really fall. Like, that's how many times I've seen it. I'm like, oh, there are hands grabbing her waist. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? To be honest, now that I think about it, I think I caught, like, Oh like my God. You didn't I don't think see. I sat down Ugh. and watched the whole thing and I'm embarrassed because in high school I was really into not liking the thing that everyone was like the trendy popular thing <laughs> I was trying to be difficult like I refused to that song from that Robin Hood movie the other Kevin Costner movie look at you now where the podcast train at <laughs> popular. I like where popular the, things. Where the theater culture. train? Yeah, no. I I refuse to like the Whitney Whitney Houston songs from The Bodyguard, and I refuse to like the other Costner Robin Hood thing. Well, who sang that song? Oh, Brian Brian Adams. What? I don't. You're... Children. There's this man named Brian Adams, and he sang everything I do. I do it. Um, children. Anyway, well, thank you so much for being Aww, on my podcast. I love you. Thanks I'm going to take this trash and give play. it to my dog. Yes. Um, please take your candle with you because I don't want you to. I know it haven't be even burned it yet. You know the thing about those candles? They don't have like a nice fragrance. There's I no wish, fragrance. I no. wish the religious candles had a, a you know some sort of essential oil. No, all they do is the threat of burning your house down, killing you in the night. <laughs> That's all they do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Don't burn my house down. And on that note. Thank you for listening to the Trash Cast. So you just listened to my interview with Byron, but it's been a while since we recorded that, and he wasn't able to talk about his new project. So I'm mid quarant not quarantine. What are we in? This is I'm I'm mid solas. No, not the word. What's the word? We're basically self isolated. There we go. Self isolation, sequestered. But now Byron can talk about his project. So. Um, the big news is that um, his book is called A Star is Bored. It is a piece of, it is a fictional piece. I'm going to let you do the hard sell. Go. Uh, so A Star is Bored is uh, just a fictionalized version of um, the three years that I worked for Carrie Fisher. So it's it's inspired by those years, but they aren't, they aren't necessarily all true stories or whatever, but it's just a... It's just a fun, wild ride about a uh, an assistant and him trying to manage his amazing, eccentric uh, Hollywood boss. Now, I'm assuming that there's lots of uh, story. Like, I mean, I know since I already knew this information, and obviously I've heard some of your stories about Carrie, and they're all amazing. I mean, they're just amazing and crazy. And uh, I'm assuming, like, it's, there's lots of legal stuff in the book world of if whether or not you were allowed to say who it was, et cetera, et cetera. But in the end, I'm assuming this is a real love letter to her. Yeah, it really. I mean, my time with her was um, the most meaningful of my life in many ways. And uh, I was going through a really hard time when I met her and she really kind of, um, I don't know, she made me happy again. And so it was a wild and wondrous time. I really... I really, uh, I really did. I really do love her. I think about her every day. I miss her every day. And um, while some of the stuff in the book isn't exactly how it all happened in life, I did try to kind of capture the spirit of our good time, you know, and that's really what it was like with her. Every day was like living in a sitcom and I was just laughing all the time. I almost had abs from it. She was, she was a real trip. Did she know that I'm assuming she knew that you were a writer at the time. Yeah, they. they it's kind of how I got the job. I was a, a journalist for many years, and I had this news job that I hated. And uh, her agent was looking for someone who had writing experience because they wanted someone to help her with her novels and all that stuff. And so that's kind of how I. That's kind of how I ended up on the radar. I had a friend who worked for her agent at the time. So when they were looking for someone, my friend was like, "I know this guy who's a writer." 
He's nice. Well, and did you end up like, uh, would she be like, hey, uh, sit down at the typewriter. I'm going to just start vomiting some stuff and you type it out. Gosh, she she was such a genius. Um, and she would hand write everything on a yellow pad. What? She would hand write everything. So she would hand me this yellow pad and it would be frayed and pages and pages and then arrows to this section and this section. And, um, and then I would just type it up for her and then she would edit it from there. Uh, there, so there were plastic bins, like storage bins, filled with with all her novels. It's the coolest thing and the craziest thing, and um, she was just so smart. Wait, so she kept all of her old handwritten versions of her novels just on hand in the garage? Well, she she's was not exactly sentimental at this point in her life, so they existed in piles. And then part of my job was to go around her house when I got there because we're we're pretty much opposites. She was. She was a free spirit and I was very OCD and like, why are there not labels on everything? And so I was the one running around her house getting like memorabilia and like all these papers I would put in the bins and label all the novels and that kind of thing. So it was like Polaroids in the sock drawer, uh, Polaroids of like parties at her house with like, you know, um, Angelica Houston or whatever. It was just like uh, things that are uh, little treasures in the world, but her life was, was so big that who cares about a Polaroid? Just put it in the drawer out of the way. Anyway, it was kind of, it was just magical. Um, what makes me nervous is that this sounds like you having to deal with me when we were living together for months at a time in, in apartments in other countries. Well, the cutest thing about you is we could tell, <laughs> you could trace your movements through the apartment. Like you like to leave cabinet doors open, which by the way, I think is genius. Why? Why do we even need to close them? Like keep them convenient, you know? So, so we get you. We were like, oh, Tom, Tom ate. Where are the crumpets of Tom? Tom must've come home late. Um, I'm currently staying with, at my ex's house during this um, self-isolation. Him and his partner were kind enough to let me stay here because I was in the middle of moving, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I, <laughs> And obviously he lived with me prior when we were dating and he, uh, he just came in the room the other night. And he's like, really? You couldn't put the toilet paper roll on the, she's like, you literally put an empty toilet paper roll on top of the toilet paper holder. You couldn't throw it away. And then there was the new one that I had gotten was on the back of the toilet. And I said to him, I I literally had no concept or idea that I even did that. It's adorable. No, it's not, but it's, it's big. Adorable. It's not adorable, but it comes from living alone for a long time. You just forget about that stuff because it means nothing to me. Again, the cupboards, it's like, yeah, I could leave them open or I could shut them. It all, it all goes to the same, it's all happening in the same space time continuum. Who cares? Yeah. I respect you for living your own truth. What, um, you're, so Byron's partner, Steve, is also an author. He wrote the book, um, Lily, in the Octop Lily in the Octopus. And the editor. And the editor, which is, uh, it's been out. Is it some sort of award, win did it win awards or make lists or anything? Like award-winning, wonderful, he's a genius, yeah. But so, uh, the editor, I can't name specific awards, I don't know. Baby, baby, did you win any awards for the editor? He got accolades. Also, I'm wildly offended that Stephen Rowley would, your partner, your lover and domestic partner of life would tweet about someone else's book. Some Someone named Manuel Bet Betancourt has a book and how dare he tweet about uh, anyone else's book until yours comes out when? July? July 28th. Though I will say Manuel is a genius and I can't wait to read that book. So, um, other book? I Judy? Is that what Manuel's book's called, Judy? I thought you were just calling me Judy. Oh, no, boo. I think Manuel's book is called Judy. It's about Judy Garland. So it's like, it's it's such a great time and he's such a great writer, I can't wait. So I support it, I support it. But okay. don't go too crazy, Steve. And I'm assuming people can like pre-order it during their time in, in, in sequestration. What's the, what's the word? If you're sequestered, what would you call it? Not seclusion, is, is seclusion the, the other tense of sequestered? You can say you're sequestered. I'm sequestered. 
Are you in a sequestration if you are in the sequestration? If you're being, if you're currently being sequestered, what are you in? Questration. Definitely. Definitely Mm Mm-hmm. Um. So now you can pre-order it. And is that like a big part of the book thing now? It's like, oh, we got to get pre-orders. Yeah, I really don't know how all that works, but I'm told that pre-ordering is a big help. So if anyone wants to pre-order it, that's awesome. You can pre-order it anywhere books are sold, and you can go to the IndieBound website and support your local bookstores, your local indie bookstores, because they really need the help, you know? Obviously, um, lots of people asking questions about Carrie Fisher, um, but the other character in the book, I'm assuming that person is based on you. How is he? How is he like you, and how is he different from you? Or they or her. I don't, I don't want to jump to conclusions. He, his name is Charlie. Yeah, he's a lot like me. I mean, he's uh, he's he was depressed before he met her. Uh, she brought a lot of joy to his life. And that mirrors my own experience. I've been in therapy for years and years and years. And so there's a therapist in there that he sees. And uh, he also has other assistant friends, which is a thing in, in real life. Many of uh, us celebrity assistants are all part of a network like we know each other so we'll be on a long email chain we'll ask like hey you guys have a favorite courier or you know where do where do i bring for dry cleaning that's non-toxic and environmentally friendly or whatever and um so there are a bunch of other assistant characters in the book too who help my character along with the way in his journey okay now i'm thinking about like oh god there's all these celebrity assistants who were all (laughs) texting each other like oh my god I can't believe they're recording this Imagine song, but Gal Gadot organized it so they weren't going to say no. Or like they all know, like you guys just have all the hot tips on where to get all the high maintenance people things. Yes. And it's fascinating too, because I swear whenever I see those videos, I'm like, oh, an assistant is recording that. So I'm like, how do they, is the assistant living with them during the quarantine? Like, how does it all work? I think some of them must be. Because how else do you kind of keep everyone in self-isolation? And uh, But anyway, yeah, whenever you see those videos, it's like, that's an assistant. I can't stop thinking about, like, who was filming Madonna's video in the bathtub. That had to be her her assistant. For sure. And someone who's very supportive and not someone who would be like, hey, let's do it one more time. That was good, but just one, one more time. Like, she has an enabler. Who should have stopped her from the, like, no, Madonna, you can't stopped her a real friend should have stopped her i just i can't get over the fact that all of these videos from celebrities like sam smith crying and um just all the like uh what's a seth uh no not seth rogan jonah jonah hill was like surfing today and i just want to be like you guys this is this is not responsible you just seem like you're all not affected you're you're tweeting and sending videos from a from atop your castles it's really a, it's a weird time and not good leadership, you know? So also give the actors a script and don't let them improvise. Sometimes it might be a good rule. Yes. Almost always. Well, I thank you for your scripts and your writings. Aww, working with you on the Tilda play was a um, highlight of my life. And I know we're not done yet, but um, that was just so fun. Thank you to Byron. Who's been chatting with, chatting with me live via Skype from Palm Springs in his seclusion. And I'm here in my seclusion. And I hope that this podcast finds you well in your seclusion, you know, a podcast giving you something to do and not yeah. just, not just watch TV. You can use your imagination a little bit. That's right. Use your brain, talk, communicate, tell jokes, laugh. And if you're a celebrity, make videos about your rich experience. Champagne kisses and caviar dreams. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye.